Hey, yo, we all been there. Check, check, one, two. This is Junkie Turdman. I'm coming to you live from the Creative Writing Studios here in lovely Burbank, California. We are episode 270. I want to say something. I got my brand new Yamaha hat. I want to thank the folks over at uh, Unique Motorcycles over on the... Uh, between Pasadena and Azusa over there helping me get a brand new tire mounted, not mounted, but reseated on the bead of my trailer. So uh, didn't have any cash on them, threw down some money for this brand new Yamaha hat. My old Yamaha hat blew away on the freeway years ago. So the reason I wanted to say thank you and uh, the reason I love Yamaha and Yamaha hats is because you look in the mirror you look real stupid wearing any other brand. You look in the mirror and Yamaha says like, Ahame, you look in the mirror with Suzuki. I mean, none of those letters reverse in the mirror. They all look stupid. Honda, the D is backwards, so it al Honda almost works, but the D is backwards. Toyota is the only brand I can think of that works backwards in the mirror uh, as well as forwards. So, but, excuse me, I'm just choking on my gum here. I digress, folks. Welcome to episode two seventy. I want to start off the this show by saying, hey, we've all been there. Lower back pain, being hunched over the tank all day, broken arm after hitting an obscured wash in the mirage-filled desert, a spiral fracture in the tib-fib when we're just goofing around in the yard on the 50cc pit bike. Whatever your condition or ability, there's always some factor or variable in motorcycling that will humble you and bring you back in line. It happens to noobs as well as seasoned racers. Injuries that range from minor strange to career-ending arm pump, they seep into our lives, and they can have long-lasting effects. Right now in MotoGP, one of the most talented racers in the world the world has ever seen, maybe right in the last chapter in his racing story if he doesn't play his cards right. This sport and this lifestyle had ended prematurely for many and lasted a lifetime for others. And on this week's show, we're going to talk to a couple people from Baja, Canada, about their experiences and recommendations when dealing with the motorcycle mishap. So grab a beer, find a good spot to sit, while we take you for creative riding. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Riding, America's best motorcycle podcast. Hey, there's a bunch of asterisks behind that. <laughs> Never mind. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more information, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing to learn how you can support the show yourself. Now, let's get cracking. Roll on the throttle, blip the brakes, tighten the air cleaner, check the crankshaft, and don't spill your coffee. Or spill your coffee very carefully. There was a, uh, yeah, there was a time in the 80s where you weren't allowed to spill your coffee, apparently. Hey, everybody, welcome. This is uh, Creative Writing. This is the Junk Meister coming at you from Creative Writing Studios here in Burbank, California, the Moto One Podcast Studio Network Studios and Headquarters on the West Side. And not on the west side of L.A. If you're in L.A. and you're over on the west side, I feel so bad for you. I hate the west side. I hate driving to the west side. I hate riding to the west side. I hate everything about the west side. Uh, so west side. All right. So listen up. This is episode 270. Uh, before we get into this week's uh, fun-filled, powerful, very powerful, meaningful show, 
we have some news and some events and things like that coming up. But as always in our Moto One podcast network, we have to do a disclaimer, at least here on Creative Writing we do. Uh, the views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of their participants, and they do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of Creative Writing, the Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates or sister podcasts, and any opinion is the respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even a 50cc pit bike rider, all right? So for all you out there on those 50cc pit bike, just thinking you can get away with murder and you uh, end up cracking your skull open, it happened. You, you underestimate the power of six horsepowers. <laughs> Anyways, hey everybody, uh, this week on our show, we're going to have a great, great uh, couple of ladies from Baja, Canada, otherwise known as Northern... Uh, USA coming on and uh, before we get into that I really there's just a couple segments here that we need to get through I want to give you some bike events now that uh, you know now that biking's going on globally uh, around the world everything's opening up the weather's being fabulous and, and uh, cooperating with everyone there is a ton of bike events coming up so I want to get through some of those give you a little bit of news and then get into the second half of our show you guys are going to love it and you ladies are going to love it. You Martians are going to love it. Kids are going to love it. Everyone's going to love it. I think I think dogs will even love it. So, um, speaking of dogs, no, I'm just, I don't want to. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole already. So, listen, uh, we have some upcoming events that we really need to tell you about that are happening this uh, coming next weekend. This is this is uh, April first, and this is April Fools, and this is no joke, no joking on this episode. So I know that it's April Fools, and Junkie Turdman is a prankster and a troll. But I guarantee none of the uh, events that we're going to talk about and none of the stuff we're talking about on this week's show uh, happens to be, in fact, an April Fool joke. So next weekend, we figure, figure I'd give you a couple days to uh, to plan for this one. Uh, April 6th, happening in Scottsdale, Arizona. or probably It's probably Scottsdale, you know, the, the way Arizonans have stupid towns like Prescott that's really Prescott. It's probably Scottsdale. In Scottsdale, Arizona, Arizona Bike Week's happening. I'm guessing it's a week long since they call it Bike Week. So check that out. Go over to Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, April 6th for uh, Bike Week. Get yourself a poppy. Um, April 22nd, the Stagecoach Classic Motorcycle Rally is happening here in SoCal. You better get your booty down to East County, San Diego for that. It's going to be a lovely, lovely rally. And I think it's going to be, I think it's actually going to be kind of vintage oriented or there's going to be at least a vintage um vintage segment so i'm really excited about this the fact that they call it the classic motorcycle rally kind of gives that away right so that's april 22nd down in san diego uh april 23rd at big willow willow springs it's a classic track day my friends and april 23rd and 24th is going to be the carnival of speed uh sweet talker brady walker is going to be having a fabulous event all weekend out there and i believe it's going to be a like I said, it's an armor round. So there's going to be track days. There's going to be fun hijinks, food, bands, tons of high wind. There's always high wind out at Willow Springs. I don't know how that track hasn't blown away yet, but be prepared for that. Be prepared for some classic bikes and uh, yeah, awesome, awesome race uh, action out there. Also, April uh, 20, I'm sorry, uh, May. Moving on into May. May 13th through the 22nd is Myrtle Beach Bike Week in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. 
be uh, that's like one of the big ones that happens every year and you can ride your bike on the beach from what I've seen and it's in South Carolina from what I've heard uh, May 21st through 22nd the Pasadena Motorcycle Club is having a greenhorn run that's going to be a two-day ride that they're going to have on and off-road segments and it's going to be really fun through the back hills of Southern California and it goes from the LA area down to like the San Diego probably northern San Diego County area uh, and like I said it's a two-hour drive, but they're taking two days to do it because they're doing it the right way on the back roads, baby. Uh, May 28th through June 11th, the Isle of Man TT is returning after a two-year hiatus. 2021, yeah, two-year hiatus. Isle of Man TT is coming back. Now, the Isle of Man is a very famous uh, road race over on uh, the Isle of Man. And not to be um, missed out upon is other Irish road racing and some... Uh, road racing in in uh, I believe England I believe the um, I believe the cock and balls no the cock of the rock whatever the fuck it is there there's something there's like one road race I think up in Scotland somewhere uh, that that still happens on the English Isles but uh, yeah man in Ireland has has the rest of them and they're blowing they're doing things like the Northwest 200 they're racing on tracks that are even skinnier than the Isle of Man. And uh, hairpin turns, and, and they're racing like a... It's not a time trial. They're racing side-by-side, side, road race style on this stuff. So you got to go check out uh, Isle of Man's a goodie, and it's one of the most famous. However, it's not the only road racing action you can find over there in the British and Irish Isles. Um, June 7th through 11th, Americade's happening in Lake George, New York. Don't accidentally go to Lake Placid. Uh... I was gonna make a giant alligator joke about that, but it's just stupid. So anyways, Lake George, New York, uh, June 7th through 11th. I heard that New York is wonderful in June, Not no humidity or anything. Um, June 9th is the ROT Republic of Texas rally happening in Austin. So get down there, bring some sunscreen and uh, a bib for the barbecue and check out the Republic of Texas rally. June 16th is Oklahoma Bike Week in Depew, Oklahoma. It's Depew because either that's what the bullets make over there, that's the noise they make, or because people stink. I am not 100% sure, uh, and I don't even know where Depew, Oklahoma is, but I'm sure that it's really pretty. And June 17th, IMS Outdoors kicks off in Loveland, Colorado at the Ranch Complex. There's going to be, uh, j- just go over to imsoutdoors.com, check it out. They've got all the uh, the information that you're going to need to know as far as camping, because you can you can camp at the ranch or the ranch complex, whatever the hell it's called. And uh, yeah, so there's going to be all sorts of stuff. Um and information that you can find out there. But but June 17th is the official kickoff of the IMS tour this year. And uh, yeah, Loveland, Colorado. Sounds like it's going to be awesome. And leave it to the Nokomoto boys to ruin it for you. But, you know, they'll probably be there and uh, enjoy one of their 360 days of sunshine over there in Loveland, Colorado. June 24th, Motoblot happening in Chicago, Illinois. And I heard Chicago is lovely in June. No humidity or nothing like that. Uh, also, that same weekend, Motoblot corresponds with the IMS Outdoors Chicago. So if you're in Chicago, I don't think there's going to be any motorcycle-related stuff to do. Uh, yeah. I, I actually might be in Chicago that weekend. Who knows? I'm going to be in Chicago this summer at some point. I don't know. Isn't that sad? 
Uh, and that's all I have right now for our, <clears throat> excuse me, for our uh, events. Uh, the Wigs and I, we will be riding through beautiful Southern and Central California uh, right around this time, uh, I believe Memorial Day, whenever the hell that is. I think it's the weekend uh, of Myrtle Beach that Myrtle Beach starts. It's either like the 13th or like the 18th, something like that. I forget. I don't even know. But uh, we'll be writing. If you want to hook up with us, uh, DM us, uh, email the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on any of the social medias, Facebook or uh, Instagram at creativewritingpodcast or something like that. I forget what we're called. Um, <clears throat> who checks, who looks at social media anymore? You know what I'm saying? We're too busy out there doing fun motorcycle stuff. But anyways, we're going to be riding through the interior. If you'd like to hook up or you want to meet up uh, or you want to show us some cool local spot that was probably pretty awesome. Uh, it's going to be me, Wigs, and, and another guy named Wigs. So there's going to be two Wigs and a Junk. That's, uh, well, you, you you make up your own little funny funny uh, name for that ride. But anyways, um, yeah, hit us up if you want to hook up. And we'd love to see you and check you out on the uh, interior of California. Um, well, if you have an event that you'd like us to talk about, or if you're interested in anything coming up, or want to know what creative writing has secretly planned and up its sleeves, and we'll probably forget to tell you about until the weekend before it's due, like a bad gym teacher, uh, go ahead and email us, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you have planned or what your club has planned. Or, like I said, hit us up on one of the social medias. If you can remember them, that's great. I can't. So go ahead and hit us up. Send a carrier pigeon. Throw a bottle in the ocean. It'll get here. And uh, just make sure you have a message in it. And we'll shout it out on the show. Birthdays, holidays, bar mitzvahs, wedding announcements, you name it. We'd love to have it on the show. And with that, let's take a quick break and come back with some news. And then some song and dance. I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. But a person needs new experiences. I'm not in the mood. But a person needs new experiences. I'm not in the mood. All right, everybody. It's horrible audio to chew gum while you talk and actually you could bite a cheek and uh or even do that tooth grindy thing that really hurts but i'm gonna try my best not to do either of those so listen everybody this is the news uh we just got a couple things to yak about real quick and then we'll get into this week's show so stick around please for that it's gonna be epic epic um Listen, this is a real bummer, and I didn't want to shout it out on last week's show because I was trying to keep it under an hour, and it's really lame to throw it onto this week's show's shoulders, but it's not going to get any fresher, so I've got to throw it out here. Chris Pfeiffer. If anybody knows who Chris Pfeiffer is, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, Chris Pfeiffer was... uh, um, found dead at age 51, the legendary stunt performer took BMW to the limit and made the F800 famous. If you ever knew, if you ever saw Chris Pfeiffer ride a BMW, you would never believe BMWs could be stunted the way they were. He also helped introduce the G310, and I believe he um, rode the F900 when it came out. Also, the F850, F900, you know, just amazing things with BMWs. BMW stunt rider, several great videos out there. And, uh, you know, blew away uh, stunning fans and other riders as well as uh, at competitions and shows. 
And yeah, unfortunately, um, like I said, found found dead at 51 a couple years, uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, one of these days, we need to talk about depression and all these, uh, you know, writers that uh, f- great great writers that um, you know end up end up doing things like this. And I think I think it's something that a lot of motorcycles struggle struggle with. And two wheel therapy is a real thing. So we'll talk about that on the future episode. Self care and motorcycling at some point, however. Not for this show, my friend. On this show, we're going to be talking about getting better already. So listen, um, on the electric tip, a bunch of Honda stuff. I don't know if I mentioned this last show, but Honda, they have uh, recently revealed a Mugen motocrosser a while back. And Greenger, an electric vehicle company out of Southern California, they have partnered with Honda and presumably presumably to license a little CRF uh, for the children's e-dirt bike, which is like a CRF 50 size dirt bike for kids. So that's really cool news. Uh, You know, now Honda actually has it right on their website where you can go check it out. Get your kid kid an e-dirt bike, get them on the trail. KTM also offers an electric dirt bike for youngsters um, and adults, as well as Razor. Razor has several uh, dirt bikes that they uh, offer for kids. And Razor seems like a kid's like scooter or like toy company. However, there's a couple videos that I've been following online from this person that's used to be out of SoCal. I don't know if they're still here or not, but blowing those razors up to like 60 miles an hour. So uh, at some point in the future, I really want to talk about razors. But right now, this week's news is going to focus on electric things that have been happening. Crazy crap. For instance, Triumph, one of the oldest Motorcycle companies in the world started in 1901, like a lot of other companies, like NSU and Harley-Davidson in 1903, and Royal Enfield, I believe, was 1901. Triumph, been around forever, 120-something years. They just completed phase three of the (laughs) TE-01. So talk about starting at the beginning and uh, moving on with the times. Triumph, man, really, really jumping in here. Um, With the TE-01 concept that made big waves a couple weeks ago or about a month ago now in the uh, motorcycle world, maybe even longer than that. Uh, anyway, they completed phase three according to uh, Triumph's official website, which means that, uh, uh, well, we'll talk about what phase four means, but this bike was is not only Triumph. It's also built with Williams Advanced Engineering, which I don't know if it's the same Williams that is Williams uh, Formula One, but Williams Advanced Engineering Integral Powertrain Limited and WMG University of Warwick. And I don't know if WMG means like wacky, massive geniuses. I have no idea what WMG is, but it's part of University of Warwick. Um, Each of these partners contributed to a special, like one of their specialty expertise or component design or something to the completed project. And with with phase three completed and a demonstrator quote, unit complete, which means I'm sure they just have like a test mule that's an actual physical bike ready. Phase four can begin, which comprises actual live testing of the bike on road and track for calibration and assessment of each system. So this thing's going to not only hit road and do road tests and like rolling dyno, chassis dyno and all that fun stuff. They're also going to hit the track with it and take it through its paces on uh, performance. So that's really, really cool. Phase four is going to begin. There was not much more than that on the website. It's like when it's going to happen or this and that, or when the bike is, um, 
a, a timeline for when it's going to hit. But the development comes just in time as the emissions grow tighter in Europe and everywhere else uh, accordingly. And Europe has also expressed intentions to move to an EV majority by 2035, if not completely. So a bunch of car manufacturers are already going that route, and it only makes sense that uh, motorcycles follow follow that trend. Well, I just got a creepy feeling. I'm going to have to call Miranda Young. You know, it's a fucking ghost in here with me. Ooh, that was creepy. Anyways, this not only shows Triumph's ability to innovate, but also reflects the company's intentions to stay around for a long time, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if they're just going to carry on their legacy from 1901, like some brands try to like, you know, ride that legacy and legacy fraud forever. Hey, this means that Triumph's in it for the long run and they are planning on uh, sticking around. So uh, since being revived, it's England's only success story that comes to my mind. Norton came and gone a couple times and, and has... I don't know if Norton's technically still around or if they got liquidated after the the whole, you know, V V4 thing went out the tubes. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if there's other smaller English manufacturers around that are really made in England. Uh, but Triumph's definitely one. They got revived and they're hopefully going to rock and roll forever. Um, they're not... not throwing around legacy models or heritage that celebrates, you know, World War II era or 1960s mods versus rocker stuff. They're like, hey, man, we're moving to the future. We got these scramblers, you know, we're building the Tiger line, all this great stuff. So good job, Triumph. Even Harley took note this last decade and it started developing the Livewire circa 2014 uh, with Project Livewire. And now, of course, we know that that has been spun off into its own company, um, you know, Harley Davidson went electric, so I mean, even even that is big, you know. Shows shows where the the uh, the industry is looking. Uh, BRP broke news this week. BRP being the uh, the parent company of Can Am, which has the Riker and the Spider three wheeled vehicles, but Can Am will bring back motorcycles in 23, uh, 2023 and twenty four. The big news, the bigger news that Can Am is bringing back motorcycles is that they're all going to be electric. So they're celebrating the 50th anniversary of Can-Am with a line of electric motorcycles. The first Can-Am motorcycles hit the scene around 1973, and they were known for motocross and endurance racing. And although in our episode about 1980, the Can-Am that they talked about was not so favorable and they suffered a lot of reliability issues and eventually you know like compared to the tsunami of japanese bikes that came came in eventually they went the way of rock-on and hodaka or rokon if you want to pronounce it that way and hodaka uh which were american built motorcycles they went they got out of the, the two-wheel game as soon as all these japanese reliable bikes came in um, so the electric future provides a way and the perfect opportunity for Can-Am to jump back in the game with a strategy that allows them to start fresh, not only start fresh, but they're starting fresh in this new era of transportation and recreation, which is highly electric. And the more you look around, the more you're going to see. Speaking of electric, our buddies at Super 73, you know, I've talked about them before. The bikes, they race them at the Roland Sands events all the time. They've been showing up at IMS, you know, to ride around on. They're they're cool. They kind of straddle the line. They are pedal assist bikes, but they kind of look like mini uh, mini motor bikes without the mo- uh, without an engine in them. Uh, you know, we went to their their launch when they redid the brand and, and released the RX models um, at the end of 2019. And guess what? 
the final marquee that we will fawn over in this electric love and drool fest because the Irvine-based company has announced a new model to its ever-expanding portfolio. Not only can you buy a Z1 with Rick and Morty branding and an RX that's basically like a, a, a chonky, um, you know, mountain bike, Super 73 is launching a motorcycle. Uh, it's, it's branded, it's the C1X, and uh, it won't have pedals. That's the, the biggest exception. This will not be a motorbike. This will be a motorcycle. So they're building a motorcycle. Um, and like I said, they already kind of straddle the line between motorbikes and bicycles because if you once you learn the e-bike laws, there's class one, two, and three. And a lot of the Super 73s are class three and even beyond that into the class four, like, unlimited mode which is for private use only quote quote uh quote end quote but the c1x really signals the future that the company is going to take the the motorcycle is shown on the website and it looks to be roughly the same dimensions as the rx model um so it's not short the rx is kind of tall for a bicycle uh, and the C1X is going to feature 15-inch wheels, which uh, compared to the 20-inch wheels that all of the other pedal bikes get, makes it a little smaller. And it's going to be a little bit more flickable. And it's not as small as I think the Grom might have 12-inch wheels. I, f I forget the Grom's wheels, but 15-inch, you know, obviously it's a little bit smaller. So um, it'll make the wheelbase shorter. It'll make the bike about Grom-sized. I'm guessing you know the rx is, is roughly about that size so it's going to be a little bit smaller than the uh standard bicycles that you're going to get from uh, super 73 it's going to roughly even though it's a motorcycle it's going to roughly retain that that shape and size from the side uh also the motor is swing arm mounted instead of an internal hub motor like the the pedal bikes it kind of looks like a zero it's got it looks pretty pretty beefy and it sounds like they mean business because not only does it have a monoshock swing arm like an appropriate swing arm it's not a bicycle swing arm it's like a nice motorcycle shaped swing arm monoshock on there the uh the motor mounted down there um it's rated at or well, the, the specs on the website claim 75 miles per hour. So they really do mean business with this thing. It's not just a glorified e-bicycle e without pedals. You know what I'm saying? So this thing looks, looks really interesting and it looks pretty cool. LED lighting. Um, there, it definitely announces that this is not a, not a bicycle. And the fact, even when you, not only, not only does the, um, you know, the specs, the, the 75 mile an hour spec, the quick charging, uh, feature, but also the disclaimer that you have to read when you when you open it up to read about it. That right away says, "Hey, this is not a bicycle. This is a <laughs> a, a vehicle with liability." Um, and so, yeah, you can't you can't be under eighteen to buy it. It's just like buying a motorcycle. So, it is a motorcycle. Um, so that's really interesting. The final thing I want to talk about. I guess we do have one more to talk about. Um, uh, in this segment is Kawasaki. We all know Kawasaki's had Kawasaki Heavy Industries and the Kawasaki Robotics Division, and they've talked about electric bikes in the past. Well, Kawasaki did reveal a uh, an electric vehicle at the Tokyo Robotics Show a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe a month ago now. It turns out it was a uh, a goat. Kawasaki's model was called the Bex, and it looks like a robotic Ibex, and it had like <laughs> <laughs> this guy got on it and rode it around. I have no idea what it's about, but you know, we don't give Honda too much crap for building Osimo. We don't give Boston Dynamics too much 
crap for building that cheetah or bulldog or whatever they, their robot was. So that we won't give Kawasaki too much crap for building this thing called the Bex. However, they better sure as hell come out with an electric motorcycle. And I mean, even though it would be kind of cool to ride around town on an electric goat, I'm not sure of the parking uh, legality or the licensing legal legality of that, but I'd be down to ride a goat either way. Uh, moving on from electric vehicles to electric vehicles and emissions. The EPA settled with Tesla last month over violations by the automaker. Yes, EPA violations from an electric automaker, you say, eh? They violated the Clean Air Act here in California. Tesla reportedly failed to meet federal emission standards at its Fremont, California vehicle coating plant. The violation occurred, dig this, between October of 2016 and September of 2019. Three freaking years. Um, and it cost Tesla $275,000 in fines, uh, which is, you know, it doesn't matter how much the company makes. It's the, fine, the fine should be the same. Uh, for everybody, at least. So, two seventy-five. I know that might not be a lot for for Tesla, but that is a pretty pretty huge fine. Um, they failed to develop and implement a plan to mitigate pollutant emissions from strong. Uh, I'm sorry, from uh, storing and mixing the coating materials. And if you've ever been in a paint shop, you know you know what I'm talking about. Um, there were also apparently fires at this facility as well. Fire sprinklers and air intake and exhaust systems. Uh, had several coats of paint on them and so would would catch fire like a dryer getting a bunch of lint in it and just you know goes up and, and gets uh, catches fire sprinklers can't come on so tons of tons of weird little funky stuff because Tesla was trying to keep up with demand for the vehicles that's how busy they are and yeah people don't of, often think of emissions as being uh, pollutants but absolutely here in California there are a lot of things uh, that get regulated Tesla has no idea of the volume of air pollutants that it emitted because it allegedly failed to keep records of the chemicals used the amounts used um, you know the amount sprayed so on the amount stored so on and so forth and as a former body shop employee I can tell you how important it is to monitor exposure to noxious paint chemicals and several years ago, California adopted a water-based paint mandate in order to cut down on evaporative and volatile emissions from lacquer-based paints. And as the former safety um, compliance officer for the shop that I worked at, everything from paint thinner to oil to gasoline to, you know, even the paints themselves, they emit, uh, and even some of the e-coatings, uh, the protective corrosive uh, coatings on the metals that we would replace um, body panels, you know, that stuff is coated in, in these things that gas, give off gas. You know, if you smell a new car part and you're like, mm, that smells good or it smells like rubber, that's a, you can smell it because there's little particles coming off of it, right? So everything emits um, something, you know? And, and so in California, they monitor that because all of that, uh, contributes to air pollution and, and, and emissions. It's emitting some sort of scent or gas that's something going in the air. So um, anyways, yeah, so this this comes, um, it, it, still, it still stinks and there's plenty of noxious vapors that come off all, all, all sorts of stuff. So Tesla literally getting fined for that. And I'm not even 100% sure if uh, things are now in, um, in compliance. So this comes as California is continually pushing for cleaner air and despite EPA uh, and CARB, 
uh, being here at the you know California Air Resource Board Authority to regulate emissions, California still has the dirtiest air in the nation. Cities like LA have made huge strides over the last 20 years, but with roughly the population of Florida crammed into one city, the struggle for clean air is real here, and uh, they don't take, th- take things lightly. Like uh, te- a big company like Tesla polluting the air, that's probably why Tesla's moving to um, Texas. <laughs> they, they don't care so much there. And according to Dirt Legal, uh, CARB monitors the California Air Resources Board, or CARB, monitors emissions varying f- from everything, including the ubiquitous California wildfires, to the nearly 15 cargo ships a day that come into San Pedro and unload billions of dollars of commerce at the Port of Los Angeles. Um, so you can imagine like all that stuff emitting pollutants right so who knows anyways uh speaking of speaking of billions of dollars of business another big business nearly 20 billion annually is the off-road industry in the golden state here with five distinctive climate types and more national parks than any other state in the union even more than alaska california is an off-road haven and for a quarter of a century california has had this thing um for for off-road vehicles called the sticker system it's a red and a green sticker system uh for off-road motorcycles and vehicles green stickers are good for two years and they indicate that the vehicles pass emission standards enough to operate year-round on public lands that remember that without polluting they meet emission standards basically on for for public use so these vehicles can enjoy the 360 66 days of sunshine that California gets each year. And this started back in 1994. There was a red and green sticker program. Red sticker vehicles do not meet emission standards and were limited to use in many places. And it varies by location and time of the year. And it was usually not allowed when during the hottest months. But who wants to go out and ride then anyway? Like if you're going to the deserts and stuff, desert season isn't in the middle of summer. It's like 135 degrees out there. Or I think that's like, 52 degrees Celsius. So who wants to be out in the desert when it's that hot, right? So uh, nearly all of the United States Forestry Service jurisdictions allowed red sticker bikes to operate year-round. There were some that didn't. But beginning this year, red sticker bikes are no longer being sold in California, period. So again, Dirt Legal... Uh, .com states that the red sticker riders have three choices. Either ride in a neighboring state, ride on private land only, or buy a red sticker bike that was sold in 2021 or prior because they will be grandfathered into the new law. But California, in in an effort to cut down on all that pollution, taking everything into effect, hitting dirt bikes hard. Competition bikes will also not be banned from sale. However, they won't be tagged. That You won't be given a red sticker. You won't be given a green sticker. You won't be given any sticker, so you can only use them on private property or private off-highway vehicle areas um, or in another state that doesn't have a sticker system. So anybody coming to California, keep that in mind. If you have a non-compliant bike, don't bother bringing it. If you have a green sticker or dual sport bike, go for it. And if your bike's older than 2021, 2021 or older, you're good to go. It is grandfathered in. California isn't heartless. So uh, we're just trying to clean things up a little bit, I guess. So that is our news uh, going electric and going non-smoggy, even for electric vehicle companies. Um, yeah, can be rough here. Do business in California. Try to find some good things to do. Hey, stick around. Right after this break, we're going to get back. We're going to throw the rest of the show in here. And it is a doozy, my friends. You're going to want to stick around for a couple of ladies from... 
our favorite state, let's just face it, besides California, there's only one other state on the map that I know where it is. And that's Arkansas because I was born there. But I think there's one more next to, um, it's the land of the gophers. It's Wisconsin, the gopher state, the badger state, the beaver state. It's one of those states. Stick around. For over 131 years and several months, Clodman's has been supplying quality pickles to motorcyclists the world over. Legendary icons such as Sylvester Roper, Oscar Hedstrom, William Harley, Betsy Stringfield, Frank Willoughby Cotton, Evil Knievel, Nikki Hayden, and Sochiro Honda have all quenched their desires for a thick, juicy pickle sliding across their greasy, willing lips with none other than a fine specimen from Clopman's. Join the Hall of Fame, win your first race, impress the judges, put a Clopman's in your mouth, and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clobmans, not for dreamers, for doers. Clobmans, the only pickle for motorcyclists. Hey everybody, this is Junkie Turdman coming to you from high over the skies of LA County in uh, Chopper 6 GSXR FM. And I just wanted to say, if you are going to be purchasing a knife this year, make sure it's from Field Initiative Knives. Our own lovable hooligan, Chris uh, McMasterson Wiggins. I can see him down there right now on Fifth and Flower throwing a, throwing a knife at a, at a target. Oh, beautiful. I can see the Damascus uh, finish from way up here at, in the smog-filled skies over L.A. Listen, if you want a quality knife, no joking, no, no joking around, hit up, hit up uh, Chris Wiggins at field underscore initiative underscore knives on Instagram. Uh, check out some of his work. He's cut other knives in half with his knives. I think you're really going to enjoy the quality and the fine handmade blades. And uh, I use mine as a tool, as a weapon, and sometimes I use it uh, to shave as a razor. So there you go. Box cutter, plowshare, gopher hunter, horse mane. Hey everybody, this is Junko Magnifico coming to you from the Del Taco behind my house. That's why the audio sounds so scrappy. Uh, I just wanted to give you a, a dis quick disclaimer. The, the information you're about to hear is not in any way to be intended as medical advice or medical diagnoses or anything like that. Please, if you're suffering from some sort of ailment or uh, you yourself have been injured, please go to your primary care physician and get treated. This show and what we're about to say is for entertainment purposes only. Okay, back to rooting through the trash and fighting off all these trash pandas for a delicious scrap of this Del Taco Nacho Diarrhea. All right, everybody, welcome back to Creative Writing, episode number, insert episode number here. Uh, so... Tonight's show is going to be pretty special. We've got a couple. Uh, we got this is listen. Every every podcast now is like somebody from Japan or Wisconsin, and we're going to keep rolling with that. I was going to you thought I was going to say we're going to buck the system. No, no, my friends, we're going to keep rolling with this uh, <laughs> with this pattern, and we're going back to Wisconsin this time. We've got uh, a couple ladies on the line with us, and I'm going to uh, let each one introduce himself and talk a little bit about. Um, what they do and why they're here today. So first off, let's jump in with our 
uh, you're pretty much like our uh, Wisconsin executive uh, producer at this point, um, Narissa. Why don't you go ahead and, and introduce yourself, even though I just spoiled who it is. <laughs> wow, I feel honored. That That's a promotion for me. Thanks. Right. <laughs> uh, hi, I, I'm Narissa. I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, some longtime listeners of the show probably remember hearing me talk about um, it all high sc- or high school female moto group that I mentor called the Iron Angels as part of the Build Moto program. I'm also an engineer. I've worked in the power sports industry for about 10 years now. And uh, also part of the Milwaukee Ribbits, which is a female riding group in the area. And just, yeah, a kind of all around passionate motorcycle person. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. got two, two wheels and let me add it. Right. And let's add to that part of the newest, uh, or a member of the newest club, the Fall Down and Hurdy Stuff Club. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that's where Andrea comes in. <laughs> right. So that's our, our next guest. Uh, her name's not Andrea. I don't know why you said that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, go ahead and, and uh, Andrea, now that we've ruined uh, your name too, and, no. uh, and kind of spoiled the surprise, tell us... Uh, who you are and where you're coming from and and why you're even on the show tonight. Absolutely. Well, my name's Andrea. My friends call me Andy. So uh, you'll, you'll be hearing everyone uh, reference me as Andy around here. It's just fitting for Wisconsin. Uh, born and raised Wisconsinite. Uh, I left the city um, about 10, 12 years ago uh, to pursue a career in athletic training. Uh, went to UW-Madison, uh, did my graduate workout at West Virginia University. Um, and bounced around from orthopedic clinics to physical therapy clinics. And I've worked in the NCAA with uh, professional athletes. Um, and I landed back in my hometown. I did not see that coming. I was like, man, I, I could really get out of the winter right now. I'm not, I'm not meant for this. And, uh, and there's no place like Milwaukee. There really isn't. And it's a newfound appreciation for it. So I'm back here in Milwaukee. This is now three years living here, almost four, I think now. Uh, and I work as an athletic trainer, not with athletes uh, specifically anymore, but I work with industrial athletes. So your nice. everyday work. I want to. I want to talk about that. Right. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Industrial athletes. That's yeah. what that means. Okay. Yeah. It's a it's a common terminology we're starting to throw around in the athletic training world. Uh, not personal trainer. We get we get uh, conundrums with the personal trainer a lot. Athletic training. Um, you have this is a master's level uh, degree now, just like. Um, you know, it's a postgraduate, so you have to do your undergrad, and then you have to apply to a postgraduate uh, degree. It wasn't like that back when I went to school. Now I can say that back when I went to college. Um, you know, we were able to sit for the board of certification exam right after um, undergraduate, and then usually it was elected to get your master's after the fact. But um, a lot of people that wanted to do NCAA master's was pretty much that fast track there. Um, but 80% yeah. of us already have our master's, and they just revamp the education now um, that uh, everybody's required. It's a, it's a only postgraduate, so you have to apply after you graduate college. And man, I love this profession, I really do. Um, there's there's a huge spectrum of, uh, we're trained on orthopedics with uh, when it comes to injury prevention, emergency care. Um, if you're ever watching a football game, the people that are running out uh, to spine board those athletes, those are athletic trainers, you know? So that's where we've started. Um, but it has grown because uh, people see 
the value in athletic training. Orthopedic clinics use us as physician extenders. Uh, physical therapy clinics, we work alongside of PTs and, and can bill insurance for services. Um, and then the industrial setting, they see, hey, injuries go down when we use athletic trainers. So, um, yeah, know, that's it, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're doing the same sort of, if you think of somebody that's uh, uh, working in a warehouse or even working uh, line, you know, hanging uh, power lines or anything like you're doing some weird overhead or maybe heavy lifting and that is pretty much you know whether you're trying to push somebody down on a football field that weighs uh, you know double your weight or trying to lift something or move something and kind of twist and turn in a weird way at yeah. work I mean that's you gotta that is quite a parallel I never ever thought of yeah it's that's literally cool. an immersion into sports medicine like we are the definition of like everything that we study is centered around athletes so um, it's it's definitely a specialty and and we're, we're kind of like I said born and bred in the sports realm you know that's where we're immersed and we see what the human body can really take on but you know as I start getting older um, I wasn't finding a whole lot of reward or drive in keeping Joe Schmo the quarterback you know, um, functioning and, and, and moving. And, and there was a lot more reward in working with, um, you know, Joe, the dad, that's just trying to work 14 hours in really rigorous, uh, conditions. I even, I've been in industrial for about seven years and I've worked manufacturing, distribution, utility, um, even road construction. I would drive nice. out and work on the guys. They would be on the equipment. I'd be on the equipment with them and Crazy. Um, keeping them going. Yeah, it's nice. it's rewarding as heck. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Hey, and if you are Joe the dad, by the way, uh, email <laughs> creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com and we will hook you up, uh, give you Andy's uh, information. Yeah. Um, so this is crazy. It sounds like you might know a thing or two having had to actually go for school. Most people think of, hey, it's an athletic trainer. It's the guy at my wife's gym or girlfriend's gym that's always trying to help spot them while they're doing squats or something, right? Like that's what, right. That's like the image of like what most people think of an athletic trainer. It's just some gym rat bro that is like, you know, helping the girl standing behind her, helping her quote curl. Right. But you've gone through a lot of, uh, sounds like medical training and schooling. And this is, that's an incredible uh, background right there. It, it's um, awesome. Love it. Yeah. God, a lot of training. Uh, do you, yeah. and I'm assuming that you keep current on, um, I yep. mean, is that something that you have to keep certified on or anything Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. Continuing education is a requirement. We have to turn it in every two years in order to maintain our credentials. Uh, so once you sit for the board of certification exam, which you have to actually turn in clinical hours, meaning you have to apply your knowledge for an X amount of time. And um, once you get certified, then uh, you have to be licensed within a state. And, um, you know, we're, we're still a young profession. So there's a lot of state legislatures that, you know, Michigan might not align with the legislature in Wisconsin. And, um, you know, God bless 2020 when we were on lockdown, um, you know, I was also afforded the opportunity to work with um, the Wisconsin Athletic Trainers Association and get on the board of directors as treasurer. So um, there was recent regis legislation that was passed that, um, you know, because we worked in NCAA, there were certain dynamics that um, were in our, our practice act. And one of them being, you need a physician signature to be licensed. Um, and it actually restricted our autonomy a lot with all the education that we've had. Um, so, you know, it, that was a recent thing that we were able to change. And um, that was a huge accomplishment, just being able to speak in front of the Senate and say, hey, this is why, um, you know, the signature should be needed. Um, we still refer to physicians um, for physician level care. 
Um, and ultimately, for individuals that wanted to go autonomous, um, like myself in the industrial setting, just seeing you know people struggling and whatnot. That's why I opened up my business. Um, it's a afternoon, nights, weekends um, availability where I literally just work on, on people. And it could be your blue collar worker or just your everyday weekend athlete or a weekend warrior. Yeah. Um, uh, motorcyclist that I crashes. Say, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, does, does weekend warrior also uh, mean most of the people at Flat, flat Out Friday or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I literally should just uh, go down there one of these days with like my business cards and be like, hey, you know, you I'll, I'll see you guys in 15 minutes. You know? Right. <laughs> So listen, we all know Narissa. Anybody that follows Narissa on uh, social media knows that she's a Hurkin athlete. Like she does, I could I could tell you that she's able to um, deadlift mass. I mean, probably a, a, a what's it called a school bus. I I don't know how much <laughs> things weigh, but deadlift a school bus. Yeah, you know she's. I'm adding that to resume. My resume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> her her and her hubs. Uh, I'm pretty sure are fitness freaks. So that leads me to this question. And she's also a motorcycle freak. How did, how did you two meet? Right? Was it under, was it under motorcycling <laughs> circumstances or dubious circumstances? Freaks gravitate to freaks. Yes. Or was it a freak circumstance? It was a freak circumstance. <laughs> I mean, all those things are kind of related in a way, right? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> dubious things, motorcycles. Um, no, we actually, we had a mutual friend, I believe. And, and the mutual friend was because of motorcycling and uh, I think that's how Andy and I first started hanging out was motorcycle events or riding around town, things like that. And uh, yeah, then we just got closer, started hanging out more, learned more about her profession and of course her passions for fitness and uh, you know all things weightlifting and um, you know she does the bodybuilding competitions, which is just like fascinating to me to hear about. So wait a we, minute, you're also a, a bodybuilder? Yeah, I. Yeah, I dabble. I've uh, six years now. <laughs> yeah. I dabble. I dabble. Dot, 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 six dot, dot. years now. Wait, wait, no, last year Seven. was it nationals or what? Yeah. So I'm about a step below from getting what's called your pro card in the IFBB. Um, so what they have multiple levels and NPC bodybuilding. You have got national qualifiers, and this past year, I was able to nationally qualify in the figure division. Um, to move on to junior nationals and junior wow. nationals. Yeah, I'll compete to hold that qualification. Well, actually, I'm sorry. I am competing to win, right? <laughs> um, but ultimately, if you uh, go through nationals and, and win uh, your division, that at the, or you, you basically get what's called a pro card and then you can <clears throat> compete in the pro leagues. Right, um, so you kind of buried the lead on that with all the uh, the schooling and the knowledge <laughs> and uh, being on the you know board of directors, and then uh, throw out there, oh yeah, and I ride motorcycles and I can bench press one of them. By the way, so you kind of okay, buried okay, that. Okay, so here's the thing about Andy, and, and <laughs> she she will never brag about herself because you are incredibly humble. So so I'm gonna do it for you. Oh, okay, thank you, Marissa. Oh, thank oh, you, Marissa. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna be over here feeling awkward. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So the, one of my favorite things about Andy is that she is one of the most focused and dedicated people that I've ever met. It, just learning about like the prep season for these events is, is astonishing. I personally feel like it's something that I, I don't think I could do. 
But you also have this great sense of fun and adventure. And she's always trying to find like the, the, the bright light of any situation. And she's always down for an adventure. You know, she'll be the first one to be like, hey, it's nice outside today. You want to go for a ride? Or let's just like go somewhere randomly. It doesn't matter. Let's just go have some fun. So, um, you know, she, she's just got this like really great head on herself. And I think that's why her and I bonded so well is we can just like talk about anything and it'll be like a super serious conversation. But then two seconds later, we'll be laughing about like some stupid, ridiculous thing that one of us did and we embarrass ourselves or whatever, you know? <laughs> nice. I don't, I mean, is it okay to talk with her about junk food and ice cream and stuff like that? Absolutely. I mean, nice. Or anything I'm like nice. sensitive? Oh man! No, no. But I mean, I'm sure during during training season that it might be a different story. I'm just you know just curious, just wondering because in in Wisconsin, from what I've seen from Singsheim and everybody up there is that there is a def like riding maybe like 60 miles for a tasty ice cream is a thing in oh, yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. understandable. I mean, we have an off season. It's not always on, so you know you, <laughs> nice. you have a newfound appreciation for that. You know that uh, blue moon ice cream. You know when you when you've oh, been neglected. Man. Yeah, when you've been neglected. Blue moon. Yeah, when you've been neglected like, it for four like or five the, months. Oh, like the beer, blue moon. No, no, no. no. Okay, oh. I only recently learned that blue moon was a, a Midwest thing. Really? Maybe yeah. e- maybe even just a Wisconsin thing. It's a flavor, oh. and and specifically ice cream. But you can also get it in shakes and you know other similar treats. But the actual like profile of the flavor it's really hard to put a finger on it i've had some people say it tastes like cotton candy some people say it tastes like marshmallows but it's it's blue hence the blue moon and it's just like the most delicious thing you'll have in your whole life like i i'm addicted to it Mm -hmm. weird so i and and blue moon out here on the west coast is a type of beer by the way we have that Um, too but but that's all we have out here you know what I wonder if it's you know the moon is supposedly made of blue cheese I wonder if it's blue cheese flavored Mm -mm, mm -mm. no masked with like a bunch of no (laughs) bunch of sugar I've got a a question so if the moon were made of ribs would you eat it Worse. <laughs> Haven't you heard? Oh, you guys don't know the. This is another Saturday Night Live uh, reference. A Will Ferrell skit. Nobody. If the moon uh, were made of ribs, would you eat it? No. No. Oh man. Well, hopefully your listeners can uh, really, really gravitate to that joke because that's a solid. <laughs> that's a solid. Right. If you haven't seen it, definitely look it up. Uh, I did you a favor. That's keep. Man, right, I'm going to YouTube that moon Will joke. Ferrell? I'm going to go yeah. with the kids in the hall. Who owns that moon? <laughs> All right, whoever whoever has the uh, the uh, corner on blue cheese, I think it's who owns it. No, I I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look that up. And and you know what? It's called Blue Moon, and I'm gonna guarantee that unless you live in Wisconsin, you're only gonna have it once in a blue moon. Maybe hence the name. Like, you know? Oh, right? we'll have ice cream I mean, around. It's a dairy product, oh, okay. right? Dairy state. Come on, don't don't challenge us like this. We we enjoy we enjoy ice cream in the winter. I thought it was, yeah. it was the platypus state or something like that. Our, our cows are the real cows. I know California is like, oh, we got the happy cows because it's nice and warm here. Well, you know what? Yeah. Mm. You want to hear something our, funny? Is that a cows, cow? They don't like the drought here, actually. Yeah. Uh, a cow. <laughs> when, when a cow is happy, it produces more milk, right? That is the sign of a ha- happy, healthy cow. Um, so when they t- when you statistically look at the number of cows in California, you guys have more cows than us. So the production is is uh, you know you have right. more volume. However, 
If you were to take each individual cow and check out their milk production versus ours, the happy cows are in Wisconsin. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the earthquakes <laughs> and it terrifies the cows here. Uh, and yeah, they don't, you know. What about the humans? Uh, are they terrified by that? The You know, no, humans aren't so much terrified by the earthquakes. Uh, it's how they make milkshakes here, though. And that's how we get our milkshakes is uh, they take the cows that have been exposed to earthquakes. Um, and you won't find any cows in Los Angeles, by the way, probably because of the traffic and the the uh, gunfire. They just tend to stay away from here. And the illegal fireworks that everyone blasts off every five seconds here, they tend to gravitate away from Los Angeles. So they are in a very concentrated part of like central and northern California is where all the California happy cows. You know, so yeah. <laughs> Who knew I'll, they were going to be queuing up a motorcycle podcast and learning all this information about cows? I know. Uh, bovine, <laughs> bovine, they're, you know, uh, pig, pigs get their thing because, oh, I ride a hog. We need, we need more cow awareness. I believe bovine awareness is the, uh, actually, that's going to be the Motorcycles focus of every show. For cow awareness. <laughs> hey, you yeah, got on you you the horn you with just some ruined it for the. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And you know, to be honest, Andy, you you sound way more Wisconsin than Nar- Narissa. Does. I'm so sorry, Narissa. I didn't. I don't. I don't mean it because she sounds very Wisconsin to me. But then when you get on, it's like, hey, here's someone from New York that's from like you know, up you know upstate versus someone from like you know downtown Manhattan. Like, yeah. Uh, the, no, the, it's okay. I, I try to hide it a little bit, but every once in a while, so some of my O's. Will, yeah. will oh, come yeah. through thick. <laughs> yeah, they do. But Andy can't hide it. No. no <laughs> she moved out gonna, of the city for too long. <laughs> I, I, was, I wasn't even in the state for the longest time, too. And uh, I think it just solidified it because everybody's like, oh, you're not, especially Alabama. They were like, you're not from around here. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Oh, I'm just gonna roll yeah. with it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah. from around here. Okay, all right. Okay, all oh, right. Oh, oh. They're like, what's oh, this opie you talk about? Yeah. <laughs> so hey, um, I love going down this bovine uh, train wreck that we just uh, experienced together as a group. This is very. Um, I feel like we have bonded a little bit over a traumatic experience. But now, uh, getting back to the, the motor, motorbikes and the ice cream and the befriending of Narissa. Um, <laughs> You guys, you two have ridden motorcycles together for a little bit. And from what I understand, she used your services, maybe because of one of those uh, <laughs> other other circumstances that we, we mentioned earlier. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in February of 2021, I was taking a supermoto class and ended up high siding my at? bike uh, in California. Yeah. Why didn't you yeah. uh, hit me up while you're out here? <laughs> Well, it was supposed to be like a Valentine's Day trip with the hubby, you know. And I wouldn't have been we had, creepy or weird. Uh, I <laughs> we had all these great plans to spend a night out in Joshua Tree. Got this like mm. cute B&B oh, and yeah. yeah, ended up high siding myself and spent the afternoon in the emergency room. And well, long story short, it wasn't the most romantic Valentine's Day we've ever had. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> So, well, well, it, there was, it was this was still during COVID, of course, right? So he couldn't come into the ER with me. So he had to kill a couple hours while I was there and he just wandered around Target and he bought himself some chocolate and some whiskey, but <laughs> uh, I was just like not interested because I was in so much pain that night. Oh, so geez. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I, obviously I, I, we laugh about it now, but. <laughs> right. No, walk, walk us through like exactly. Uh, everybody knows what a high side is. It's when you kind of get in a little sideways and the wheel hooks and tosses mm-hmm. you off the front, the over the top of the bike. Yeah. Um, so, so what happened? Did you come down on 
your head or your leg or your arm or what happened? So what I, what I think happened, I mean, I, when you high side, it, it happens fast, right? Oh, so yeah. it's a little bit tricky to, to really remember. And um, unfortunately, Hubby had the GoPro on at the time. I didn't. It would have been nice to see the footage. But <laughs> um, I... It, my, I think my wheel went left and, uh, like you said, it, it hooked and it tossed me off the high side of the right side. And, uh, what I think happened is that I hit the dirt and landed on my right hand. My right hand basically was, uh, squished between the ground and my ribs when I, when I impacted and then I kind of rolled around and uh, landed on my back after I rolled. And I just remember sitting up and I felt like I, for half a second, didn't really know where I was. And all of a sudden just had to catch my breath and immediately felt excruciating pain in my hand. Yeah. So um, I had I just, to- I just winced a little bit when you described that because I've done a similar thing and wrist or hand pain is so weird and intense in a different sort of way than like other pain. So sure. oh my gosh, I feel for you. Yeah. Um, so I, I just sat there for a couple seconds and one of the instructors that was standing in the corner ran out to me, um, helped me pick up the bike, just make sure I was okay and helped me walk off the track. And uh, I just, like I said, I had this immediate pain in my hand. I, you know, I knew something was wrong. So I took my glove off right away because I could feel it swelling. And uh, sure enough, my right hand, basically the if you look looking at the top of your right hand, it was everything on the right hand side, including like my pinky, my ring finger, and then the top of the hand itself was just swelling very fast. Ouch. Are you, so, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that you probably are right-handed also. Uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so that's always awesome. Yep. So, um, walked off and everybody thought that I broke it. They said, yeah, for sure. There's no way you did not break your hand. You know, I was hey, gnarly, yeah. whatever. Real, so, real, real quick, did the guy check the bike or you first? Uh, I don't know, actually. But mm. Both? Maybe. There were two guys. Yeah. I, I think uh, probably like uh, one on each. I don't one, know. One sign of a real motorcyclist is they'll check the bike first before the person. Yeah, they, I mean, they definitely <laughs> check the bike. Yeah. I know that, but I don't know which one happened first. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they checked you. I was just checking to see if they're real motorcyclists. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, they were doing their job. <laughs> um, so anyway, we ended up just going to the local hospital and hopped into the ER. And um, they ran some tests and asked me a bunch of questions, etc. And long story short, they found out or what they determined was that I, I bruised a kidney, uh, which oh. I didn't personally know was possible. And the nurse, funny enough, was also a rider. And... Uh, she was like, well, first of all, thank you for wearing your gear because, you know, of course we have riders come in that don't have full gear on and the injuries sustained are much worse. So, you know, thankfully mine were just my, my kidney and my hand. But anyway, um, she, she explained to me, she said, yeah, it's pretty tough to bruise your kidney because it's pretty well protected in there. But you did it. Nice. <laughs> so, you probably hey, punched right. yourself with your hand in the kidney, right? Is I that- think I did. I think wow. that's exactly what happened. So, um, that wasn't awful. It just, it kind of felt like for the next week I had sort of a a pain in my lower back that I could feel and they just instructed Uh. me not to lift anything heavy for a while. Um, I think they, they, they ran a scan on me and they actually found trace amounts of blood in my urine and stuff like that. So that's, that's how they found it. 
Um, and then of course my hand was hurting a lot, but at the point in time it was so swollen, they took x-rays and they couldn't really determine anything. So um, sent me home, eventually came back to Wisconsin from the trip. I went and got more x-rays here, same thing, still too swollen. They weren't sure what happened. Finally came back and it had, the swelling had gone down and um, the doctor are we talking? Are we talking like a week or a week and a half? Like how um, long was it swollen for? It was probably somewhere between two and three weeks. Okay. Oh, wow. And wow. Yeah. So um, at that point, the doctor literally just said, don't lift anything heavier than a coffee cup until we know exactly what's going on, which was just excruciating yeah, that's for hard, like, yeah. my mental sake. Yeah, exactly. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, and and especially you know, like you said, I'm I'm into weightlifting. I, I love going to the gym, and all of a sudden, I I couldn't do that anymore. And you think, oh, well, you can still go to the gym and and do legs or abs, but even just picking up the equipment to work out right. those muscle groups, like I couldn't do any of that, and it started to get in my head a little bit. And it's yeah. something that I actually I learned about myself is that um, you know injuries are just as much mental as they are physical. And I don't know that you can truly appreciate that until you are in the thick of it. But uh, anyway, so especially finally, especially the follow up, getting back on a motorcycle after recovering and yes. having this thing done to you, and you didn't even break anything. Uh, well, maybe you did. Uh, well, I guess I'll let you tell me that. Right. <laughs> but imagine like snapping your femur or something, and then being right. like, "Wow, when I get on the motorcycle the next time, like this is going to be scary." Even even uh, yeah, it's it's a very mental thing for sure. And absolutely. And, if for somebody who's like active and it starts limiting the things yeah. that you normally do or the things that you're passionate about, yeah, yeah. it's tough. Mobility is a is a one of those things that can be devastating. Um, even m- mobility of a limb, one limb, not even the whole body, but yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, in the grand scheme of things, my injuries were not super severe compared to other injuries I've heard friends or family members sustain. But um, either way, it was limiting, and that that was tough for me. So. Well, like I said, I finally went back to the doctor. Things had gone down in terms of the swelling, and they determined I had not broken anything, thankfully. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, um, at that point, they said you just sprained your hand really bad in two different spots. So, one of them was kind of on the, the top on the side, and then another location was sort of in my, my knuckle area of my ring finger. And uh, it, it was actually it was wild because over the course of those couple of weeks, my hand changed colors a lot there was there was a lot of like blues and greens happening and oh it was gnarly but uh so the doctor gave me the the go ahead to start doing some exercising and stretching and just work it out because um sprains take a while to heal right so that's when i contacted andy and i said hey this is right in your wheelhouse i want to come in just tell me what you think take a look at it and maybe you know see what you can do uh, so booked an appointment with her, went into her office and, um, immediately she looked at it and said, yep, I know exactly what's going on here. You know, this is connected to this and you injured this and we just got to do these three things. And then here are some exercises you can start doing. Wow. So, um, I, I think I, I went and I saw you a couple times, Andy, and uh, <laughs> did some rice therapy. I'll let her talk about that, but that was my first time doing rice therapy and oh man, that was intense. <laughs> okay. I want to guess. This is rest, ice, compression, and elevation, or is this actually no, involved it's rice? Actually, rice. Oh actual, my god! A bucket rice. of actual rice. rice. Yep. Oh. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, it took a while to to heal, and it it was very humbling because 
the simplest of things. Um, like I, I could not make a fist with my hand for the longest time. Like it was so bizarre to me because my my head was telling my muscles to do it, but my muscles just weren't doing it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I couldn't hold a pen. I couldn't use chopsticks. It was the first time I had to ask for a fork at a sushi restaurant and I was humiliated. Yeah, <laughs> but, man. Simple things, right? So, um, yeah, that, that's my life, right? So, um, but anyway, she uh, she gave me some great exercises and I worked through it. And, you know, I'm thankful to say that I've got full mobility back in my hand now. So um, it was a long process, but I 100% believe that having Andy help me out was a, a more effective method of recovery you know and and I'm, I'm in my 30s now I feel like I'm at the age where I really need to start paying attention to my body if if I want to keep using it for the rest of my life in a healthy yeah. non-painful way so when I have injuries I I'm finding more value in addressing them accordingly like not just ignoring them like no I, I want to fix this and I want to fix it the right way and that's where she is so knowledgeable and so spot on so um yeah wait till you, know, you get my age and you're 130 and then walking outside on a windy day becomes a uh, you know <laughs> treacherous uh adventure um yeah that's, that's incredible good yeah hey there you go good good job on both of you though for andy's one of those friends that i would keep in my back pocket i i always know hey who can help me with this who can help me with this just like wiggins i think wiggins has a rolodex in his brain of instead of knowing you by name he knows what your what your use is <laughs> what your purpose is and i think for me i would be like the first person i probably would have thought of when i was rolling around in the dirt before i even stood up at the supermotor track i would have been like andy oh god when i, call andy, <laughs> when I get back you know um yeah i do have emergency so, andy, equipment on my bike and nice. in my car <laughs> Right. <laughs> right, right. So, so let's talk about from your perspective. You know, Narissa gets back in town. She can she can't hold chopsticks. I don't want to mention what probably else she can't do. But there's probably a lot of things that you need your hands for that you you know can't do. Um, and anybody that has pets know they don't care whether you have an injury or not. You know, so even petting your dog or not having your cat jump in your arms probably hurt. Um, from your perspective, Andy, when you see Narissa's hand, what's the first thing you think, uh, or what's the first thing you notice? Opportunity, opportunity. <laughs> oh yeah, there, even yeah. I, when I, I'll be talking to her about just some general pain that I'm having or feeling in the gym, and she'd be like, "Oh, oh, you should come in. You'd be a yeah. fun project." Then she like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Let me, uh, yeah. She's building a portfolio using you, Narissa. She's like, look, here's here's all the crazy... My friend Narissa, guess what? She's did this again and this again. Oh, look at this. You know, like, yeah, there's a bunch of portfolio work going in here. Um, yeah. 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 Not a HIPAA violation whatsoever. Yeah. Just, you know, oh, I've, no. got a, I've, got a, I've got a little photo album. <laughs> Narissa. Hey, everybody, look at Narissa's right. injuries. Yeah. Look, at the colors, look at the colors her hand was this day wow yeah wow so, yeah. let's flip through this <laughs> so what so what was going on with her hand um like what would you call it uh from a professional non-layperson uh point of view right so um definitely and and here's the thing everybody kind of gets hung up on a diagnosis and whatnot and uh, athletic trainers you know we can do an orthopedic assessment and come up with a conclusion, what's irritated and whatnot. So the doctor had already done the leg work. They did the imaging, uh, was able to rule out any sort of bony fracture. Uh, but bone, just like anything else, is, uh, is it's, it's a hard tissue. It's still live tissue. You can contuse a bone. 
um, you know, you can still injure bone in different ways. Um, and, and they diagnosed her as a sprain already. So we treated it as such. It's still an acute um, injury. Uh, it needed to go through its healing process. The thing with the hand though, and it's just understanding the body parts and like the injury that's involved is that every everything goes through a healing process. You have windows, you, like you have your acute phase where it's just going to be mostly inflammatory. Your body is just trying to heal the area. So it's sending a bunch of, you know, kind of microbials to the spot to just get tissue there. Um, then it kind of transitions a little bit differently physiologically. Your body understands there's an injury in a certain spot. So now it's going through what's called like a proliferation phase. Um, you know, this phase can be start a week to two weeks post-injury and last all the way up. It, for, it could last for months um, depending on so the So even if your hand involved. at this point isn't, if it's not showing signs of injury inside, it's still recovering. It's still Quote, yes. like injury. Yeah, it's healing. Okay. Yep, yep. You're still healing. So usually, and and this is just the folly of man, right? Um, but it's, it's ultimately like if it's not hurting, well, it's healed. That's not always the yeah. case. Your body is still going through a physiological response. And then there's always that maintenance phase where um, the, the healing phase is slowed down a little bit. And it's still kind of there's a little bit of tissue turnover and whatnot going on at that time. So understanding the area of the body um, and then the injury itself, what the potential timeline would be. Um, one of the biggest things that we can do injury prevention wise is to make sure it heals right the first time. Uh, so we see a lot of reoccurring injuries in sports because uh, athletes will either rest in ice for too long. They will not strengthen it during the proliferation phase when it's laying down new tissue. So it basically almost in kind of like a general terminology, it scars down weak. Your body doesn't understand. It just to rebuild a tissue back to its active tensile state. You need to retrain it through its healing process. Um, so that's basically the approach. It's like, okay, you want to get back to this. We need to train your body to heal down strong, not heal down weak. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that makes you know, sense. Yeah. And Narissa, she had an acute mechanism. She had an acute injury. This isn't considered, you know, there's different types of injuries. Is it acute? Is it chronic? Um, so those healing phases can be very, very different. And, uh, so hers was, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's its acute. You know, it's going through its inflammatory response. Um, there's even, again, like Narissa said, that mental phase of just, she's an engineer. She's very me mechanically minded, you know. Um, she wants, well, this part just needs to be replaced and then it'll be running just fine. Her body's going <laughs> right. to work like that. So <laughs> no, no. She, she was very, she is one of my best patients. She'd come in here and describe things to the T. You know, uh, when I do this with my finger in this degree angle, that's when it hurts. You know, so she was very specific. Um, so One I knew of the what very was few involved. People to have an actual, yeah, she had an actual <laughs> protractor connected to the side of her hand, so she could tell you, like, hey, look, this is 32 <laughs> degrees tweaked out to the side, and yeah, yeah, awesome. So it she's was, like, I can do because, this. Yeah, I, I would, I would describe these things, and immediately Andy would say, oh, well, that's because this tendon is connected to this, and. I mean, your knowledge of the human body is just blows my mind sometimes. So um, she actually did some work up on my forearm. Uh, I forget what it's called, Andy, but like this, the scraping and the cupping to help the healing process, like something that I never would have thought had any effect on my hand. Your hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
crazy. Yep. yep. So all the tendons that sit in your hand, they're uh, manipulated by the, the attachment points. And a lot of those tendons are up in your elbow. So if we want to address right. the hand, we don't just sit in the hand. We got to go up the forearm into the elbow at least. Um, and then just kind of it's it's addressing the human as a whole, um, you know, the right. patient as a whole. So everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different stressor. Everybody, you know, again, we throw age in as a factor. Yeah, our bodies change physiologically um, with age. One of the main ones that happens with age is is we dehydrate faster. So we just have to be more aware of our hydration status, right? So, yeah, that's taken into uh, consideration. But it's also the fact of, like, we're not, you know, uh, when we're born, we're fresh we're, we're fresh material, right? We're, babies are just brand new. Um, and then we consistently go through mechanical stressors throughout our lives. So some people might be, um, you know, upper trap dominant because of um, just how they're built. And, you know, it's not any folly to themselves or, you know, some people start with chronic issues earlier on in life and other individuals, they're just, um, you know, depending on the sport that they're in or what they decide to do, uh, they struggle with it more than others. Um, so it's easy to kind of blame age as a factor um, because the resting icing phases, it's a lot easier when you're young and you're more fresh meat when you're 18 years old. But right. it's just more of your body telling you it's not that I'm old. It's that I've just been doing this for an extended period of time. So addressing yeah. chronic stuff is very, yeah, a different approach. I guess but definitely a mental and game. If you, yeah, if, like that's the said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's uh, a big part of it. It sounds like, um, partially too i mean i guess if you have a a bad posture for most of your life and your body has adapted to that and all of a sudden you're doing trying to do something in a new way you're going to have these pains right or you're going to be able to not move a certain way Um, yeah and and that's where i feel that that one even hits home that working in the industrial setting and everybody's like well i've been working on my posture but you're not let's be realistic though you know we're not soldiers Um, You know, even talk to uh, any Marine, ex-Marine or, or, um, you know, Army, National Guard, anybody. They they hated when they were in line and having to hold a perfect posture. They said it was fatiguing, right? So for us to just say, I'm going to work on it, it's not realistic um, in the sense of like, okay, just sit up straighter and all your issues are going to go away. It's mostly what are you doing for eight to ten hours a day? And how can we yeah. correct it? Because it's when your body is out of anatomical neutral that any stressor can occur, right? Posture being one of them. Um, we're, I mean, we're humans. We're bipedal. Uh, we're going to succumb to gravity over time. We shouldn't, you know, we're too hard on ourselves. You know, we put too much yeah. pressure on ourselves to, you know, be pain-free and function. These things happen, you know, but it's definitely a, yeah, you can't just approach things by avoid this avoid that you know activity is something you can definitely get back to but it's just understanding you know what am i doing on a daily basis like how am i stressing out my body what can i do to counteract that you know just finding that balance and that's that's literally all your body needs is that recognition nice can we can we pivot this too to a motorcycle centric topic of um you know i've struggled my personally with uh rotator cuff injury and it wasn't motorcycle related, but it was kind of like repetitive, um, you know, related. I'm pretty sure I tore it and I was able to rehab it back. And I didn't, I didn't tear it actually. I injured it to the point where I could rehab it back. And now I have, um, pretty good shoulders again. Um, 
we before we were recording, we were talking about arm pump. Um, let's talk about like you know posture on bikes, like uh, when you're riding, um, arm pump from riding, um, your joints. Period. You know, just the, the wear and tear on your joints. Um, is there things that you see as a professional um, when you have friends that ride or? that you can recommend to people when they're struggling or having a hard time? Is there, is there anything as motorcyclists that we can do as we age? I hear, um, for example, I hear the, uh, Harley trikes sell or, or, or three wheeled vehicles sell or motorcycles tend to not sell to an older group of, um, riders as they age out, you know, regardless of gender, it's the, it's the physicality of it. You're riding a 900 pound bagger and you can't hold it up anymore. You can't, you know, do this and that. Are there things as riders that we can do to mitigate some of that? And um, from your point of view, that we can do to, uh, we're not IFBB, uh, you know, card holders or anything like that. But we're, as humans, you can you can muster the strength to do a, a various things, right? And so, as just a typical rider, are there things that we can do to that when we get injured or maybe to help avoid injury that uh, you could think of that we could kind of give out for free right now <laughs> absolutely yeah free free medical advice right <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but generally speaking um you know there there's a lot of different approaches um you know to take and the more approaches you take the more kind of fuel to the fire and in, in preventing a lot of these issues can can stem on um so preventative wise one of the first ones that hits me is hydration um you know we as motorcyclists <laughs> i've been down that road too Water isn't exactly the initial or the first thought of intake um, when you're out riding with a group of friends and whatnot. I understand. So, um, you know, basically everybody likes to go and enjoy their time. But ultimately, especially when you're doing long trips, um, you know, making sure that you're proactively hydrating your body. That's uh, dehydration. That's when a lot of these chronic issues like to manifest. When you're dehydrated, um, you know, if you're a chronic low back, tendonitis, those types of things, inflammatory responses, they kick in. They kick in when your body is dehydrated. Um, so that's that's number one hit. And number and, two... And true or false, your, your spine floats on fluid discs that depend on how hydrated you are uh, that particular time. Ooh, ooh that's a... I, I like that approach. I, I like that approach. So your cells are... are The majority of your cells that function are water. Um, so when you think about the discs of your spine, think about the cushioning in your knees. Um, think about mm. um, basically any bodily process in your body. If you are dehydrated, something physiologically is uh, being compromised. So, um, you know, a lot of things so are hydration with is hydration. super important, super, super important. important, especially if you're okay. predisposed to stuff in, in general. If you're dehydrated, this stuff will pop up, you know, just like how stress, okay. you know. Yeah. yeah, the, the yeah. other piece, and, and you'll probably see a lot, you know, like you were talking about, you know, bike setup and whatnot. Um, and coming from an ergonomics perspective, injury prevention-wise, everybody is so different. You know, you've got two gentlemen, same demographic. Um, one could have a different size torso than the other, um, longer femur lengths, you know, that type of thing. If I were to do a biomechanical assessment on two different individuals, it's definitely going to come out different. So there's not one great bike for everyone, but the best way to describe it is sit on it. If it puts you in a good position um, and you're comfortable on it, you got to roll with that, you know, and every bike, nice. like I said, the, the customization, you know, what you need to do um, to kind of keep 
um, yourself comfortable, especially if you're a, a long distance rider, um, just do it. You know, it's definitely worth it um, because yeah. once you're out on the highway and you're in a static position, uh, you want to be in your most comfortable position. So ultimately the body is not meant to just be in one position at all times. You want to encourage blood flow and whatnot. So when you're taking those gas breaks, um, pulling over on the side of the road for whatever reason you may need, um, you know, stay in tune with your body, stretch out, you know, those hand flexors because they've been gripping the handlebars. Um, you're trying to find balance because you've been actively using certain muscle groups and statically not using others. So um, it's basically being aware of what stressors you're putting on your body and then doing, and in the industrial setting, especially where there's um, a lot of repetitive movement, we call them kind of ergo breaks. And ergo breaks is like maybe a stretch or two that you do every uh, 10 to 15 minutes of a routine task just to keep the blood going and some tissue pliability. Um, so, nice. you know, if you're riding a bike and you're gripping the throttle, um, you know, stretching out those flexors at your next gas station break, standing up, arching your back in the opposite direction of arching it forward, um, stretching out the hamstrings because they're in a shortened position because you're seated. Um, those types yep. of things help everything, your back, your knees, that yep. kind of thing. So bike structure. Um, I, yeah. We, this reminds me on, on mo bicycles, one of the most sold things is different hand handlebars, different seats. You buy it, you actually buy bicycles, um, not a Walmart one, but if you're going to buy a, like a mountain bike or something built for you, even the Harley serial ones, they ask you your size because based on your height, the frame is going to be different. Bicycles are built for that. And almost every accessory comes from making you more, um, positioned on the bike where the first thing people on motorcycles look at is, Hey, my louder exhaust and my cams or what, you know, what my flash, my ECU. <laughs> I realized that there's a ton. Kawasaki does a very good job with the Vulcan S of, of showing you. And I think Indian did it with the scout. Like when you're buying it, there's this little tab you can push that'll show you the different ergonomic options when you're ordering it so that you don't have to buy them secondarily after you buy it you can set up your bike to be shipped to you this way with certain bars and seat forward or pegs you know more forward or back or whatever it is to get that because that's an important part of it and i feel like if you bicycle you know this because the whole thing is based off your height and your position where you make such a good point about motorcycles it's a one size fits all people are wondering does it have mid or forward controls that's about the only thing or rear sets that's about the only thing they think of on on motorcycles um and the, I can tell you, almost everybody I know has one of those like wrist savers for having grip in the throttle for hours on end. And instead, it lets you just kind of use your wrist to leverage it instead of having to like rip it open with your arms. You know, you're going to get that arm pump or feel. That's, that's, I'm going to definitely um, take that one into account as is, 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 uh, being um, dynamic rather than static on, on the vehicle. That's a good, that's a great... Um, Great one right there. And any other ones? We got hydration, your body size, which I think bike setup goes right along with that. And then stretching um, and movement, being mm -hmm. an active rider rather than a st static rider. Right. If you're, and I can't hold this in enough to, you know, the secret to long, long, happy, healthy life is physical activity. So if you're a physically active individual off the bike, um, usually, you know, you heal a lot better than individuals that are just, um, 
you know, basically sitting on the couch all day. So if, if there's something that you can do outside of motorcycle riding that keeps the blood pumping or, you know, a goal of, of some sort, mobil- it, it helps maintain your mobility. So when you're on that motorcycle and you're just using certain muscle groups or you're, you know, stiff in certain areas because you're, you're not statically moving, um, your body recovers a lot faster as a healthy body. Um, so that's, that, that's, that's a huge, huge piece as well. If you could just be active, you know, off the bike, doing whatever it is that you love to do. Um, Man. you know, there's no right way to be active. Um, it can be underwater yeah. basket weaving. Who, who, who cares? You know, it keeps you moving. Sick. Um, okay. that, that's, that's the secret to a long, yeah, healthy life and, and motorcycling. It's an activity. It really is, you know, but it definitely is a stressor. I can't, I can't say that motorcycling, sitting in a chair and holding on to handlebars is great for the cardiovascular system, you know? Um, <laughs> but you know, think of like just healthy outlets you can have off the bike. Um, you're going to be a lot more, you know, Narissa really talked me up, but she didn't need to see me that often. Uh, she recovered fast and she's, she's got an active, healthy lifestyle. So um, that was that was the key to her getting better too. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. That's an, that's another piece I, I can't hold that in enough. Yeah, and that's an important. I, and most of the people that I see there are even even older. Um, uh, a lot of their, I mean, if if you follow anybody on social media that's a motorcyclist um, athlete, a lot of times they'll post pictures in the gym, they'll post pictures out riding or hiking or just like you said, even mowing the lawn, you know. Um, and the ones that I don't see, the hydration is a big part because from what I understand, beer is not the perfect way to get <laughs> hydrated. And sitting around in a bar drinking beers to me sounds like what a lot of motorcyclists aspire to do but from your from writing these notes down just now it looks like that's not the most practical way to stay a long time <laughs> long-term rider well <laughs> so. on top of the safety measures too you know i don't want to make it sound like you know everybody out in milwaukee is drinking and driving but it, there is a commonality there's a lot of bikes parked outside of bars around here <laughs> so you know it's definitely but getting the water in the system you know uh yeah. no matter what other drinks you're you're putting in your system gatorade whatnot um, water into into the in your system. That's that's what you need. You know, just the nuts and bolts of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And Narissa, um, to circle back to you too, was has this post recovery? Um, have a have you injured yourself again and uh, had to seek out Andy's help again? And B, have you? Um, it, it, does your hand? Does is everything from this injury that we're covered today? Has it has it full on recovered, or you still have some ghost pains or like residual pain or anything like that, or did you find it hard to recover? Um, I think when I was in the recovery phase, it was difficult. I would describe it as being difficult to recover simply because of how long it took. Because I am just naturally an incredibly impatient person, <laughs> and like Andy said, you know, I'm an engineer, and it's like, well, what, I just want to fix this, and then that should be good, right? And no, like she had explained these different phases to me and what was actually happening, and then I, I kind of fell in line and understood it more. But um, once it was all kind of said and done, I, like I said, I have full mobility back in my hand. I feel like I have full strength back in my hand. Every once in a while, I do have some pains, but uh, it's really attributed to the cold weather from what I've discovered. Yeah. And that's because we live in Antarctica, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, that, that's my own damn fault for living in Wisconsin. But <laughs> no, 
No, you, other than that, it's it's been fine. It's been great. Um, have you I felt think, any nor'easters come on in your pinky or anything? That, uh... <laughs> Actually, maybe I should start seeing if I can find some correlation there. That's a good yeah. point. You might yeah. not be paying enough attention to your body, and you might be predicting <laughs> the weather. You never know. Oh, there we go. It's a new career path. Uh, <laughs> Well, in California, you don't have to be very accurate. You just say it's going to be nice, you know, and it always is. But in Wisconsin, I'm pretty sure people would be pretty ticked if you got it got it wrong, way wrong. Yeah. Um, but that finger <laughs> thing might be a might be a good good career path. Right. Um, I don't want. I don't. I, I I want to hear more about the rice training and all that stuff, but I don't. I don't want Andy to give away any stuff for free uh, here, other than she has this 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 list of stuff that she talked about is already phenomenal. And I thank you for sharing that with us, Andy. Um, if anybody does want to get in touch with you, or um, whether whether or not it's for you know bodybuilding tips, career tips, if they want to get into this um, career that you've chosen, or uh, rehab tips, is there a place where they can find you at? Absolutely. So I'm on Instagram. Um, the business uh, that I run on the side here is MKE Injury and Recovery. Um, so on, on Instagram, I am at MKE Injury and Recovery. Um, I also Spell have a word website. And spelled out. Yep. And is spelled out. Um, okay. And then and then I even have a website, MKE Injury and Recovery Um I can also be emailed uh, MKE Injury and Recovery at gmail.com nice so uh, don't be surprised if people um you know start asking i know i know i've i've had a i know a couple friends have a couple friends from um high school that went on to be physical therapists is very re rewarding stuff but the amount of knowledge that you have packed and, and all that schooling that you went through i mean some people just like uh that you know what i'm saying like they love right. the the knowledge aspect and knowing and knowing uh i was going to make a dumb joke earlier and ask you like is you know when you see a person's body is it like all those little colored charts you know when you're going to school and everything's a different color <laughs> I, I know it's not but uh but yeah no that's that's incredible and and the fact that you use that in your personal life too as a as a you know as a weight weight lifter and and um, bodybuilder is pretty awesome so thank you for coming on the show Absolutely. uh and and sharing all that with us. It's been an amazing, amazing interview. Thank you, Narissa, for hooking us up. And uh, I would be remiss if I let you go without asking you um, a really stupid list of questions that I that I ask every, almost every <laughs> guest on the show. I think I've missed a couple. Um, but yeah, there's I, I have a list of questions. Would you like to dive into them? You could say Absolutely. no. Absolutely. Uh, I'm always I'm always asking other people stupid questions. Arissa knows this, so it's karma coming back all right. me. I know it. <laughs> nice, nice. So yeah, we're closing out an hour here. Um and I didn't want to forget this list again. I think I forgot it for the last two people we've talked with. Um I'm gonna have to get Shakes back on the show, Narissa, and, and get these uh I don't there think I asked him. Maybe I did. He's been on a couple times. Um so the first question I have, and this might you might you might really throw a monkey wrench in the bell curve that we have here because everybody has answered pretty much the same for some of these questions and coming from like um you know an athletic training and uh rehabilitation professional we might get different answers this time i'm, I'm hopeful but uh uh i don't know we'll see so first question what is your favorite grip the left or the right favorite grip yeah on your motorcycle Man, that is a weird question. I never would have thought yeah, of a favorite. <laughs> well, definitely, I'd have to say I'd have to say my left, my left side. That's your shifter. Oh, 
You're the first person to say left. I right. knew it. Now why? Everybody's, I need to know why now. Everybody's everybody's well, all about right, the throttle. The throttle. Huh? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the weird, weird. It's how you go. Blah blah blah. Why the left one? I gotta I, know I now. This is amazing. She's, she's got to be reliable. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I, I, I'm at a stoplight, I gotta I gotta make sure she's pulled in and whatnot, so I can stretch out my right. Because I mean, that's just me yeah. coming from the sports medicine side. Usually, and especially when it's cold out and whatnot, I gotta I gotta give that right side a break. She does a lot of work, so um, exactly. I'm always stretching my flexors and whatnot. So yeah, my left side is all reliable. She's got to be. Boom. Got to be. Always ready to go. <laughs> and just for the just just for the record, you're not left-handed or anything. This isn't a bias no. toward being uh, a southpaw. Awesome. Well, wow. yeah. first hands, I knew this. I knew this was going to be. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> literally, yeah. I, I print fake money uh, after work, so literally they are. Um, <laughs> what What is your favorite dog breed? Oh, I can't go that route. I've got I've oh, got two favorites on. at home. I know, and I can't say one or the other, but I got a Rottweiler and a, and a Labrador. So, so let's you know, just say a Labrador. Yeah, yeah, I'll put a Labrador together yeah. any day. Yeah, yeah, because I can't say one or the other. <laughs> they all they both yeah. deliver a little something, you know. It's like they would know if you said one or the other. The other, you'd go and even if. Even if you were just making it up in your own mind, when when the other one looked at you with those sad eyes, you'd be like, right. "You knew I said the other one, didn't you?" I'd be living yeah. with that guilt. I couldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite song? And it doesn't have to be of all time. It could just be like this week or today, even. Uh, what's your favorite song right now? Oh man, ACDC, Back in Black. I don't know why. That just stuck out. Good. Uh, I've always gravitated to ACDC. It is. It's the nice. chorus. They just, they, they're, you know. They're, yeah. They're from Milwaukee. I mean, I get it. Uh, yeah. Let me Wait, see. really? Your... I didn't know that. No, I'm until, I think they're from Germany. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're Australian. I, I think they might. I know Bon Scott was maybe Australian. I, I don't know where ACDC is from. I don't think it's Milwaukee, though. Yeah, anger. Yeah. You're so gullible. You can't do that to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is your what is your favorite type of sandwich? And I guess I'm going to throw in a little caveat this time. I've never asked anybody this part of it, but what sandwich would you ride a hundred miles to eat? Oh, see, I okay. I was gonna say that I think I know Andy's answer until you added that last bit. So uh, say it, and then we'll see if it is the same answer. What do you think her favorite sandwich is? All right. So my favorite sandwich. Wait, let her guess. Okay. All right, I yeah. was I would guess that she would say a Reuben because that's the name of her Rottweiler. <laughs> Is she right? Is she, being she, close? she calls him Sandwich. Yeah, yeah. My dog's my 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 name is is based off of corned beef. Uh, but I would definitely, and I'll hands down, Marissa, if you're down for this one of these weeks. I mean, it's going to be over forty degrees next week. Um, I will definitely Thank pick God. up. And ride to Pittsburgh. They got a place called Permanti Brothers. They make sick sandwiches, and they got a corned beef one um, that I would. I, what they put the slaw, and then they add the French fries right on it. Oh, I just. I, I'll get on the bike and go there tomorrow. Yeah, have you ever been to Permanti's, Nursa? No, but Sweet. I think so we need to. Let's bring this to life. Is that life. technically a Reuben or is that a corned beef? What is that then? Corned it's similar. Fresh? It's similar. Like a, so you have your standard Reuben, which is the corned beef, the yeah. slaw, and then the cheese and, and the rye, right? But the Permani brothers, they, they put together like, it's like a, it's almost like a truck stop sandwich, you know, where they make the bread in-house and it's all the same 
Um, but yeah, it's similar to a Reuben in the sense that it's corned beef, slaw, and then whatever cheese you select. Um, but then they add French fries on the sandwich. Um, man, wow. I would, get, you know, give me, give me, give me two hundred miles, give me three hundred miles. I don't, I don't care. I'll yeah. go. I'll go get on That's that bike weird. and ride that sandwich. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. yeah, that sounds delish. I think they do cor- I think they do Rubens different here in California. I feel like it's yeah, sure it's artis- artisanal bread, but then they just put corned beef and an avocado on everything out here and just call it. <laughs> what? I think they they're, doing us, they're doing us. They're doing this dirty out here in California. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let's we'll do another podcast where we talk about sandwiches because this is this has started a, a, a rabbit hole in my mind. What what's wrong with California sandwiches? Um, what is your favorite month? August. Nice. Um, not quite sure. Oh, well, I guess, yeah, that's a, that's a birthday month too, but I don't know. It's like, it's right before the beginning of fall, you know, um, but you yeah. still have the hot weather, but I don't know. Well, you know what? I take that back. You know, you got September and October. I'm, I'm a freak for the fall. So yeah. Nice. You yeah. Can, can you still ride, but it's not yet, you know, frigid, like yeah. the, uh, what's it called? Game of, Game of Thrones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yep, it's therapeutic um, with the change of the colors and stuff, and you ride through like yeah. a tunnel of trees. Oh man, there's Absolutely. no better feeling. Absolutely. No, there's not. No, nope, there's not. I wouldn't know, but oh, there's you, not. you know how I know that fall is Andy's favorite season. <laughs> we rode to a pumpkin patch once with a, a group of other women, and she was dead set on bringing a pumpkin home on her sportster. And the only tool available was a roll of duct tape. So I'll tell you what, she got that pumpkin home with a lot of duct tape. (laughs) And, and, uh, yeah, I don't know how long it probably took you to get it off once you got home, but it was solid and it was, it was hilarious. Duct tape, uh, probably took her three and a half weeks and, uh, you know, cut off saw or something to get through that. Uh, that's awesome. I have seen somebody jam two pumpkins onto their over their hands like a uh, like hand guards and ride around that way. I think it was Jake the Garden Snake back really? in the day. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I wouldn't recommend wow. that. It's probably hard to grab the clutch and all that pumpkin goo in there. No, I, I was I was impressed with her creativity and determination. Yeah. So. Wow. She doesn't take no for an answer. Like four pumpkins on that sissy bar. I couldn't just say no to one pumpkin. They needed yeah, a whole. Yeah, because you carried so. some other people's too, right? Yeah, yeah. And then there was somebody that I literally duct taped the pumpkin to her uh, physically. Nice. I was, yeah. Oh yeah. Sit here. Get Hold your spine straight. Engage that core, and I'm gonna tape this pumpkin to you. You're, we're gonna improve your posture yeah. one way or another. Oh yeah. Throw, uh, throw it in that word out of curve, you know. So. Your favorite month is fall, and I have a feeling it's also because you're in sports medicine and you like when people fall because then you have an opportunity to help them. I just made that part up. We can edit that out. Um, <laughs> what's your uh, favorite character from the movie Spaceballs? Oh, man. Spaceballs. Um, who, who's the guy that plays like Darth Vader? Um, what's his name? Oh, Rick Moranis? Yeah, Rick Dark Moranis. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. I don't think anybody's ever said that before. Oh, uh, the part where he's like, um, because good is dumb and evil will prevail. <laughs> you just call yeah, good is yeah. dumb. And it's like, I don't know why I thought it was so funny. It was the way he yeah. said it because he's trying to say it all intense like. And he's like, yes, yeah. we are the best because good is dumb. <laughs> right. One uh, of the most movie. underrated villains. Yeah, right. it's great. Great movie. Um, <laughs> if you if you have a sweater, I'm assuming in Wisconsin, most people are born with a sweater on. But what is your favorite sweater uh the the hoodie 
uh, the hoodie sweater. Nice. Yeah, I guess I guess nice. that's what that's just right. that type, that type of sweater. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what we were going for, or what kind of sweater? Or or I didn't know color? if you know, like your grandma knitted you one that had like a picture of a cat on it or something. You know, just no hoodies. <laughs> hoodies fine. That works. Yes. Yeah. Any any hoodie that shows. Um, gosh, I think I still have all my sports medicine hoodies. I just I circle through those things all the time. Favorite sweater, right <laughs> nice. there. Um, what motorcycle do you think has the best graphics or best paint job mm. or color scheme? Like before customization, before they get in their owner's uh, hands and they decide to. Yeah, because <laughs> then it can go crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I mean, if you've seen one like the, um, I forget what her name is, but there's like a, a woman that has that bike that's like, like a dragon. It looks just like a dragon. And uh, like if maybe if you see one like that, but yeah, just like I'm going for stock. Like, you know, in the mm. 90s, there was a lot of cool like teal and aqua and purple graphics on bikes. And then um, like Harley Davidson comes out with these like new amazing colors every year. They just up, yes. the, uh, up, up the ante on the color game name. Well, and Narissa can probably attest to this too, but what was it? The 2021 versions of the... Um, I believe they did it on the Rogue Glide, but it was like that teal green, but then it transformed to purple in certain spots. Mm. That was so eye-catching. Um, yeah, it was yeah, kind it was of a, a chameleon color. Yes, yes, yep, yep. But they did it on different versions of, of their bike, but yeah. it, that paint job was just gorgeous. Oh, yeah, I'd have to yeah. say that one for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I miss like the uh, the 72s. I feel like they have had some really good colors because like I always have to document these colors. It's like, hey, tequila sunrise and beer bottle brown and whiskey, amber whiskey. <laughs> Everyone always looks at me like, dude, what are you writing over there? It's because they're like writing car colors down from Toyota, right? And I'm like, oh no, this is like Harley Davidson colors. But I do have to say like when the 72 came out, I think they had this big like bass boat flake metallic stuff. And some of the like the... The year, the years, like when the rockers and those dinas were kind of different. I mean, those yeah. were those are some pretty good colors. And I have to say, I think it's last year's Sport Heritage that came out with that honeycomb. Was it the? No, wait. Was it the Heritage, the Softail Heritage Classic? One of them had this like crazy like blue honeycomb in it that oh, I thought was pretty fancy. Um, that was on a Street Glide. I I don't. Oh, that's know right. It, yeah, that's if right. It was, it was on any Softails. Yeah, but it was on a touring bike. It was, it was right. um, a, a teal, black, and white-based graphic. And, yeah, there were, like, some undertones of a honeycomb yeah. pattern. Yeah. It, it almost looked like it was, like, airbrushed in where yeah. it had depth to it. I know what you're talking about. It was really yeah. cool. Like, the Mako Shark fade, I can do it. You know, that stuff... But you know this honeycomb stuff. That was interesting what they what they were doing. Uh, enough about graphics. I'm sorry about. Sorry to to uh, digress down that that hole. We got so much more of this list left. <laughs> I should probably shouldn't trip out on the graphics. Um, what is your what is your favorite motorcycle meme? Oh man, I don't know. That's a that's a that's a I, good I feel one. like Andy, you you always get a kick out of funny hand symbols when we're riding. <laughs> and I know there's some good. There's some good memes out there about like what the different hand signals mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember that one. I'm always jumping all over the place. I'm just thoroughly entertained <laughs> by people's minds and what they like to post <laughs> on social media. Like, look at this goofy. You know, like yeah. I can't, I can't pinpoint to anything right now. My mind's a blank. Yeah, for sure. My my favorite thing is when they're totally fake. Like it has all the hand symbols, and then it's totally fake what they mean, or like the instructions for like crashing airplanes, and it's like totally fake what they're saying. I love those. those yeah, it's like, like I need a taco or. Oh right, yeah. You're making this is the I need a taco hand. This is a beer stop hand hand signal. Yeah, <laughs> I think actually, I, I, Andy, didn't you and I make up a new one? Uh, it was last 
last August, her and I did a, a camping weekend out in Western Michigan. It was a, a female moto camp out. And I hit a bat on my bike when we were... <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is a whole story that is for another time. But anyway, it was a, a, a low-key traumatic experience for me because the bat hit my handguard, flew over my bars, and it was dark. I couldn't see anything. We were riding through a forest back to camp. And um, all of a sudden, I felt something in my crotch. Crawling? <laughs> was it still alive? Um, it Yeah, it flopped over my bars and landed oh in my, my lap. God. So, um, anyway, it became a whole thing. And I think her and I ended up making some sort of hand symbol to like <laughs> next time. Yeah, and yeah. next time something wild like this happens, we can signal to each other like, hey, there's a wild animal in my lap right now. Yeah. I need to pull over. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You could do the Narissa Sterney signature pants line that just like right where the zipper on the pants goes, it just has two bat wings coming out onto each like uh, of each leg. Oh my God. That's a, that is a crazy story. We, we'll have to talk about that at some point in the future. A bat. There's a bat in my lap right now. And it's still alive. I, I think That's the first thing she asked me when I got off the bike and explained what happened was, are you up on your rabies shots? <laughs> oh, I remember that. I'm so sorry. I freaked her out. I freaked her out so hard. That's great. I said, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. You won't get rabies. <laughs> it's highly unlikely. Uh, I bet you the bat was like, dang, I'm on a motorcycle right now. <laughs> it's cool. Wow. Um, God, yeah, well, that's a good... Uh, I'm going to write this down as one of the questions. Have you ever hit a bat on your motorcycle? That'll be a future question. For um, <laughs> so sorry. Uh, Andy, what is your favorite pie? Oh, pumpkin. Okay, yeah. Easy. I'm strap four Easy. a sissy bar, one to my friend. Sissy bar, pumpkin. Um, what, pumpkin. Yeah. Sissy bar, pumpkin pie. What is your uh, favorite ocean animal? Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started on this. The orca. And <laughs> like, it is just, like, I will go down a crazy rabbit hole talking about orcas and like all okay. the data that they're coming back on orca. They are the, they are the coolest man. Oh, I will. Cool. Yeah. My, my boyfriend, he, uh, he literally listened to me for 30 minutes, talk about an orca special. And he's like, honey, you've been, <laughs> We've been talking about orcas for 30 minutes. And I was like, man, it just felt like five in my head, you know? Right. right. And they're hunting patterns. Uh, after, and, oh. oh, God. Yeah. No, they are fascinating. I'll give you that. Uh, uh, have you ever hit an orca on your motorcycle? No, I'm not that good. I'm not that good yet. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, who do you think is the best actress right now? And it doesn't have to be in Hollywood. It can be Bollywood. It could be, you know, across the pond, wherever. Who do you think is the best actress right now? Movies, TV, mini, uh, you know, Netflix only. It doesn't matter. Oh, my gosh. Best actress? Oh. But, but as of late, Be Betty, I sure. mean, up until now, Be Betty White, you know, she's, she's always going to be the best, you know. She's not around right. anymore, but, man. She was the best. I love watching her and all her stuff. Every single one of it. Yeah. What yeah. a fantastic answer. She's a little bit of a quitter, don't you think? I mean, it was, she only had, it was right before right. 100. Come on. I know. I couldn't believe Anyways. And it was mass respect. Like, again, you know, we talked about activity and age today and whatnot. It, it was a, a grueling process. And they described it going through Saturday Night Live and getting ready that week and whatnot. And at the age, you know, 
90 years old. She was doing it. She was doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Inspiration. Um, yeah, I know. She inspires me. Uh, yeah. Live live till you're 100. Right. Um, who is your favorite relative? And are you, do you, do you uh, intend on asking them to listen to this podcast? <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually, I ask, man, who's my favorite relative? Uh, it's a toss-up. You got to say, uh, well, you can't say one of the, your parents, you know? Because then, yeah, it'll be then like the dogs. Question. The other one will look real. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Do dogs count? Because I think that'd be a safe answer. You know, you got the my parents, yep. my brother. It's a toss up between those guys. You know, man. Yeah. Well, well, they, can, they can duke it out. Yeah. Come back yeah. on the show and let us know who won. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I can't answer one or the other. Um, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, if your if your parents hadn't named you Andy or Andrea, what name would you have chosen for yourself? If you got to choose your name at any oh my age, gosh. I don't even, I don't even know. Like my mom actually wanted to name me Josephine, which I thought was kind of corny, but go. she's like, we wanted to call you Joey. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I like that. Why didn't you guys do that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I've gotten so accustomed to my name. I'll keep, I'll keep my name. I'm good with it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and lastly, this is the last question and thank you for playing along. Yeah. Um, this has spawned so many questions in my brain about the things I should have asked you. <laughs> but, uh, we, we, another show, another time. Um, last question. How many pair of coveralls do you own? Zero. We God. don't have any carhartts for the winter or anything? Are you no. even from Wisconsin? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I hate the winter. So, you know, you put coveralls right. on, that means you go outside. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> well, it's 2022. Fair we play. can sit inside. Yeah, yeah. Fair, why do you, fair play. Why do you think I'm bodybuild? It's a gym. You go into the gym. You don't yeah. need to wear coveralls. Yeah. But listen, oh, yeah. don't you feel like when you're in some of these industrial settings and everybody there has coveralls on that you don't feel like you should model like good behavior by wearing some coveralls and then like owning it? Like, does that ever oh. cross your mind? I'm in a manufacturing setting. We work in a warehouse. If anybody was wearing coveralls, oh, okay. it'd be really hard to do your job. Yeah. So yeah. Right. There's not that one weirdo who's like a 24/7 hunter <laughs> that wears their coveralls and, and camo hat to work. No, nope. wear t-shirts yeah. and yeah. and uh, button-up okay. shirts or pants. Yeah, yeah. That's all we need. Well, <laughs> you you stunned me twice on this list. Once with loving the left grip, and once with being from Wisconsin and not wearing any coveralls. Yep. Uh, at any rate. This has been a fabulous interview. Thank you, ladies, for wasting uh, perfectly good. I'm sure you could have done so much other good in the world uh, with this time that you've wasted with me. But thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I hope to talk to you both again sometime soon. And um, thank you so much for giving us all this information today about, uh, you know, the, the, the body um, recovery being, you know, just you know, being, being an active, uh, active writer and, and, and everything that you we've talked about today is, is pretty amazing. Um, I know we, we just barely touched on the tip of the iceberg too. I could tell there's so much more, um, that you could have told us and you're obviously very passionate about two things, your work and orcas. And, uh, yeah, thank you for <laughs> sharing all of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you brought it out. You brought it uh, out of me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. And another time we'll, we'll get into this. I'll do some orca research. For today's episode, I actually uh, did go back to ESPN and was looking at the Bodies episode because I don't know if you remember Ryan Dungey was in it a few years back. And talk about being a motorcyclist 
totally ripped, right? Um, I think he still probably lifts because he still he still looks like he's uh, pretty active. But yeah, being a motorcyclist doesn't mean being 300 pounds driving around, like we said, to your uh, bar bar crawling every day. Like there's right. some pretty ripped athletes out there mm-hmm. on two wheels so uh yeah next time i will do the orca research and i'll be reading <laughs> that geo and everything else and we'll talk about that but Me, thank yeah. you both for coming on and uh thank you so much and um again if you need to check her out uh mke injury and recovery uh the website the book the movie uh the instagram account all of the above check her out um it's been a really fun interview and i thank you both but now i gotta cut you loose um, stay on two wheels and uh, I hope you don't uh, I mean I hope it warms up there eventually but I know that may be, may be a few months there. away yeah We're okay close. good good well you ladies have a great uh, afternoon I'll talk to y'all later thanks Thank you. bye all right, everybody, that's been our show. Thank you, Creative Writing 270 in the books. I know if you look us up on iTunes, we have way more than 270 episodes, but that's because we didn't count some, and we never count Solstice Slam or Spooky Spokes. We did some special episodes here and there, so we have we probably have closer to 300, but you know what? Who's counting? Not us. We're, at, we're Well, we are. We're counting this 270. So, yes, have a great uh, weekend. Get out there and ride. Uh, happy April Fools. And uh, yeah, let us know. Uh, leave us a review if you'd like to. Hit us up uh, on Apple iTunes or wherever you hear your um, Apple iTunes. That doesn't make, make sense. Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. Leave us a review wherever you want to. Just write it. Scribble it on the bathroom wall if you want. Tell a friend about us. And uh, if you've got any cool stories or any cool creative writers that you want to hear on the show, shout them out to us. Email the show, creatorwritingpodcast at gmail.com. We're always open and ready for a conversation and uh, mostly about your bones and with your doctor. We'll give you a full <laughs> full uh, cranial exam and a rectal exam too. And if you'd like to help out the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing and uh, check out some of the benefits there. Check out some of the options and tiers that we offer. And as always, mahalatu. That means, ah, uh, Get out there and ride, you hoser.